You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, man? Welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host David Drogmeyer, and on today's show, we're gonna have we have John Kegley, one of the original members of the show, on with us to get into our mock draft Monday 2.0. But before we get started, we are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers for over six seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly. And now this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, well, welcome into Mock Draft Monday version 2.0. On today's show, we are going to be getting into the first two selections for the Chargers in the 2021 NFL Draft. But before we get started, I want to send a special thank you to anyone who is checking out the show today for the first time. We really appreciate that. And another special thank you to all of our loyal fans as well. If you guys don't already, make sure to go subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast from with the daily podcast format. That's the easiest way to get all of the latest episodes and I think we're gonna have a pretty fun show today because not only are we doing mock drafts for rounds one and two for the Chargers in the 2021 draft but I had us each get a couple of different mocks to talk about so we'll talk about which ones were our favorite talk about what positions we're going to need to fill after the two selections that we make in our mocks and also just talk about what you're trying to do for the Chargers as far as the needs that you're trying to fill and how you think that they should do that in the 2021 draft but We're going to start the show by talking about a player who the Chargers have actually talked to, and that is Darius Stills, a defensive lineman from West Virginia. We have an official report that the Chargers are meeting draft prospects over Zoom, and he's the first one. And we'll talk about what that means as far as the Chargers acknowledging that they need help on the interior of the defensive line. But let's go ahead and get into it. It was reported over the weekend by Justin M. of the Draft Network that the Chargers have met with defensive lineman Darius Stills. He also met with the Jets and the Seahawks, but this is the time of year where we start to see these different draft prospects get linked to the Chargers and have these meetings happen. And I think that you can never take any meeting too seriously, but in the case of Darius Stills, this is a guy who plays obviously in the Big 12 for West Virginia. He's a defensive lineman who played mostly nose tackle, but did move around the defensive line there. And I know, John, you know a lot about him just because you're a big Texas Longhorns fan, so you get to see him every year and I just wondered what you thought about the Chargers meeting up with him and also what you think this means about them trying to upgrade the interior of their defensive line I think this means they're trying to get a guy who's aggressive and gets in the backfield fast not someone that's just going to hold up the line kind of like how our guys do watch like Justin Jones and those guys they just hold up the line which means the running backs have a chance to penetrate the line and get past the hole Stills is a guy who really uses that arm technique and gets into the backfield fast. If you do a stunt with him, you can get around the corner and really chase down your guys. He's really fast and really athletic. He was a nightmare. When I was scouting him during the seasons, him and his brother, which I was just like, oh, God, this is going to be a rough week for us. I, did, I was like, please just stop them. Anybody else, if they beat us, I'll deal with them. Just stop them. He was really good at getting to the backfield. But I think the one thing with him, though, is they like – West Virginia like to use him in the passing game, and I don't know if the Chargers are intending to use a interior defensive lineman in that because there was times where they dropped him back into coverage, and he got an interception off a deflection one time. But 
They <laughs> they dropped him into coverage a couple of times, which was kind of weird. But that's a West Virginia thing. I don't know if that would be a Charger thing. Well, it was with Gus Bradley, right? I mean, hopefully now that Gus Bradley's gone, we don't see you know the likes of someone like Brandon Mebane dropping into coverage as much as we like to see that. I think we've also seen you know Jerry Tillery, Damian Square, guys like that all drop into coverage under Gus Bradley, but. I don't think that Brandon Staley is going to want this guy to drop into coverage anytime soon. He is kind of an in-betweener as far as size. Is he going to be a true nose tackle? Is he going to be more of a guy that's going to play defensive end in a 3-4? It's kind of unclear, but he is not an extreme athlete, but he was very fluid, especially with those stunts and twists like you were talking about, John. If you watch the game against Baylor, I mean, he went off in that game, but most of his production from this past season came from that game. But he actually had a better season in 2019 where he was even more disruptive. And I think that Brandon Staley, with this defense, the one thing you need to get is guys who can win one-on-one matchups, be disruptors. And also, like you said, I mean, they're going to be in sub-packages so much that there's usually going to be, you know, maybe two defensive interior guys in there. And potentially even Joey Bosa is going to be rushing from the inside on some of these sub-packages as well. But they obviously think, David, that they can find a spot for him considering that they're interviewing him. Like I said, it doesn't mean everything, but you would like to think that they have would have some sort of plan if they were to bring in a guy like Darius Stills. For sure. I mean, I agree with you with the fact that he is an in-betweener, six foot one, two eighty five. To be a defensive tackle, I mean, I'd like to get at least another 15 to 20 pounds on that frame if they really have aspirations of having him in the middle. But looking at this guy's profile, he's definitely a one-gap penetrator. He's a, a high-motor guy. Like, he, he really does not turn it off. He's gonna, he's playing whistle-to-whistle, which is something that you appreciate coming from a defensive lineman. You know, always want guys that can going to continuously work. But uh, he's a little bit of a liability in, in run support. He takes some weird angles. And, uh, you know, it, it shows up on tape. So that's definitely something he needs to clean up at the second level. But if they're looking for a guy who's just going to be explosive and get through a gap and, and beat a one-on-one, Darius Stills can absolutely do that. I mean, they need to get more guys that can get after the quarterback. If this is a guy who they're trying to get some interior pressure from, and that's going to be his role, at least for the first year or so until he can hone his run run support skills, then I can understand you know, maybe investing a third or fourth round pick in Darius Darius Stills. Yeah, I think that in the running game, you didn't see him often get blown off the ball like two or three yards down the field. But what you did see is sometimes him kind of running himself out of gaps. I would say that. I don't think he's a dominant run defender. And I also don't think he's a dominant pass rusher. But it seemed like he did a lot of things pretty well. And this is not a guy you're going to take, you know, in the first or second round more than likely. It's pretty unclear where he is going to go at this point. But... It's not going to be a first or second round pick, or at least from what I've seen so far. So this is, you know, round three, round four, somewhere around there probably is where they would have to take him. And I think that there's always going to be spots for guys that are going to be disruptive, right? And maybe you can teach him a little bit more fundamentally to be staying in those rushing lanes. So he's blocking things up or he's taking linemen over to, you know, free up linebackers and stuff like that. But I liked what I saw from his tape from a guy that I really didn't know very much about. I turned it on. I liked what I saw, and I think that if you're going to be smaller like that, because he's talking about adding weight onto that frame, I mean, I don't know if he has the frame to carry a lot more weight. I think he moved around well with what he was at, so maybe he could. But at the same time, if you're going to be smaller like that, 
then you have to kind of be like an Aaron Donald guy where you're just winning with, you know, brute strength and just unparalleled quickness, stuff like that. You have to be really good at certain things. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they bring him in, how they would plan on deploying him. But I think one thing's for certain. I mean, they need help on the interior of that defensive line. It's one of the probably top things that people aren't talking about. I mean, right now, who are you really feeling great about? I think you like Linval Joseph, and he's a guy that some people have thought of as a potential you know, cap casualty, even though we saw the Chargers hang on to Brandon Meebane when he was playing worse than Limbaugh Joseph currently is for less money. But I think the Chargers absolutely need help there. And if you're relying on Jerry Tillery still, I mean, Justin Jones Well, is what about fine. his brother? What about Stills' brother? If you bring in one, you might bring in the other. And the other one was supposed to be a bigger prospect in a way. Well, yeah, I don't think he's eligible to get drafted yet, but I read that he, his brother was actually, you know, like you said, the bigger prospect. And then Darius has actually been the one that has played better and was, you know, the preseason Big 12 defensive player of the year going into this season. Earned a ton of accolades and definitely is a guy to keep an eye on going forward. But we do have two more segments to get into because it is Mock Draft Monday 2.0. We're going to be getting into our first and second round pick, starting with the first round pick and a couple different options at 13 for the Chargers coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys, the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast is betonline.ag. I know that football season is over, guys, but there's still NBA, college basketball, and NHL all in full swing. And even if you guys aren't into sports, I mean, you can pretty much bet on anything. I mean, they cover awards, they cover TV shows, they cover reality TV. If you want to find some juice, you want to find some things to bet on, go to betonline.ag. And if you want to bet on football, you guys can do that. I mean, you can currently bet right now the Chargers are 4-1 to one underdogs to win the AFC West if you want to go put some money down on the Chargers. I mean, they have the much better odds right now than the Raiders or the Broncos do. The Raiders were at 12-1. to one, The Broncos were at 20-1. to one. But if you guys are going to bet, there's only one place to do it. It's betonline.ag. And if you guys go and sign up for an account, you can use the promo code LOCKEDON to get your 50% welcome bonus. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word, at betonline.ag. All right, guys, well, it's time to get into Mock Draft Monday 2.0, something I'm very excited about. I'm excited to get into draft season, even though I know it's probably way too soon to be talking about, you know, who is going to go to the Chargers at 13. I like to see the way that it progresses throughout the offseason because things are obviously going to change when the Chargers end up signing free agents inevitably and will have a much better idea of what they need to target in the draft. But, I mean, there's certain things like offensive line that it's like there's almost nothing they could do in free agency that would mean that they don't need to add any offensive linemen in the draft, right? I mean, I just don't think that there's a pattern of moves that they can make to not have to still try to build for the future and improve the offensive line. But we use the Draft Network's mock to each go through the first two rounds for the Chargers and give us a better idea of who is going to be available to them. So, David, I know you did two mock drafts in the first round. Who were the two guys you ended up getting at 13? Why did you like those guys or dislike them? And also, which one of the two did you like better than the other? Yeah, so I did a couple of different mock drafts. I mean, like you mentioned, we did. I did use the Draft Networks, but I also used PFF mock, uh, PFF's mock draft as well. Um, and the f- two guys that I got in the first round was Rayshon Slater. Uh, no, no surprise there. It's a guy I've picked before, but six foot three, three fifteen, just great athleticism, really good hand usage. Shows a great ability to climb to the second level and, and look look for work. But I think one of the most impressive things for me for Rayshon Slater when you put on the tape is his ability to pick up twists. I mean, I saw him do combination blocks, pick up one guy and then move out and pick out the pick up the second guy. And I mean, you have to be a really high quality 
tackle in, in any league to be able to pick up two different rushers at the same time. Um, he has decent strength, uh, although I did think that he could get a little bit stronger. But, uh, I mean, he's a great prospect. I mean, you put on the tape and watch him dominate guys like Chase Young, who is a, le- a legitimate crazy pass rusher a guy who has you know really only scratched the surface of his potential and really just eliminate him from the game so I mean Rayshon Slater was one of the guys and then the other guy that I picked up in the first round which I'm a little surprised that was available to me was Caleb Caleb Farley the cornerback first thing he's he's a big guy I mean he's six foot three uh, so a massive corner very physical good ball skills He only has two years as a corner, but you wouldn't know it. I mean, it really seemed like he has progressed and got better every year. He would immediately come in, and if you re-sign Michael Davis and then you pick up Caleb Farley, then you have two really tall, really physical corners on the outside that you really feel good about. Yeah, and I mean, Caleb Farley makes Michael Davis feel like a not-physical corner, but I definitely like the diversity of getting something that's not an offensive lineman. I did too as well. Both of mine, I ended up with offensive linemen just because it's very hard for me to wrap my mind around the Chargers not improving their offensive line with a first-round pick just because it's been so long since they've done it. I mean, DJ Fluker was the last one. So on mine, I ended up getting Rayshon Slater too just because even though I don't think he'll be there, I think that's the obvious pick if he is there. The other thing is that even with my other pick – I just didn't find a corner like that. I mean, Caleb Farley didn't fall to me. Neither did Patrick Sertan. Those guys weren't available. I wasn't sure if I wanted to reach for a guy like J.C. Horn, even though I like him as a cornerback. But I definitely understand going with the need there at corner. But now that you do that, obviously you have a lot of work to do to try to improve the offensive line. My other first-round pick was Elijah Vera Tucker. He's very up and down. I mean, I've seen some people have him going in the 20s. I see some people having him close to a top 10 pick, but I do think he is a really good starting level player, you know, either at guard on the inside, and I wouldn't even sell him short as potentially a tackle. I mean, the, almost the consensus with him seems to be that he has to play inside, but I really liked what I saw from him, and I just know that he would improve the offensive line. John, what did you end up getting in your two mock drafts? Um, just to let you know, Wade, I just figured out. Um, I ended up taking... Samuel Cosme from the University of Texas, hashtag hook him. He, uh, he's not exactly a big guy, but when he first came to Texas, he was really small. And during his uh, red shirt year in 2017, he bulked up a lot and got a lot bigger. He's got really, really nice long arms, which helps a lot with pass blocking. And when it comes to the run game, he's not going to overpower you. He's not this power guy, but what he does do is he can grab onto those shoulder pads right at the chest plate and maneuver you around and really use technique really well. He can, he can basically control the defensive lineman. He's not going to overpower him, but he can control him, which makes me want to pick him with the first pick. And the other one, I ended up going with Christian Derisaw. This guy had a lot of size. He looked really good at Virginia Tech. And I felt if I could have, I could have traded back possibly to get him. But I just stuck with just picking him at the 13th pick. But I felt I could have probably traded back maybe four or five spots, still gotten him, got an extra draft pick, and got a lot of value with that pick. This guy really knows how to hold his ground. And I would I would think he'd be a really nice addition to be a left tackle. With Cosme, he played left tackle and right tackle. So you could really use him either way if you got him. 
The one thing you got to worry about with Cosme is that he's six foot seven. So it's not that he is not a big guy uh, height wise. He just needs to put a little bit more on his frame. He he sometimes plays a little bit too high, and I mean that's very typical of guys that are that size. Is he needs to you know play smaller and play with with better positioning. If he's able to do that and he's able to get that coached up at the next level, then you really have some good physical traits to work with with Cosme. He's pretty effortless, you know, too, when he plays. I mean, obviously, when you're that tall, the strides come easily to you. He's a guy that has definitely risen up draft boards, especially recently, and has kind of gotten into the conversation of knocking at the door of the, you know, number three tackle in this class above Christian Darisa. I've seen different people have it flip-flopped between the two of them, but... All of us come away with offensive tackles one way or the other, and I think that's just symbolic of how big of a need we think that is. I mean, even if you brought back, you know, Singham Tevi, he's not the answer for the future. Even if you sign someone in free agency, maybe a veteran that's a mid-tier free agent potentially to be left tackle, I mean, you'd still want somebody backing him up because last year, Trey Pipkins was the swing tackle. Storm Norton was fine, but it's hard to say you feel good about even that as depth. You would hope that you could just raise the talent of the offensive line as a whole. But John, you also mentioned trading back. And that's another thing with this is on the draft network, Rayshon Slater falls to 13, right? Or something like that. And Christian Derrissaw isn't thought of as a better prospect than some of these other guys. He's down there in the late teens. So you could potentially have him back there. But at the same time, I think we've seen that runs on tackles can happen at any time. And tackle, much like quarterback, is a position where teams will reach to try to find a guy. I mean, you can have, you see him you know, projected as a third-round pick like Titus Howard, and then they end up going in the first round. So, I mean, you just never know. And I think that trading back, though, John, especially if you're not going to get one of the premier offensive tackles, I mean, you still have to find a suitor. You still have to find someone that wants to move up and take your pick. But I do think that isn't a terrible option to potentially trade down if someone wants to sell the farm or something to move up and get somebody move down later in the first round, still find a quality tackle and then obviously add more draft capital for later. Yes. And when I was doing this, I found guys that were dropping in this draft. And I mean like really dropping. And I was like, wow, this guy's still here. I could probably get this guy. Like for example, Vera Tucker was ranked the 21 ranked player on this, the draft board. And by the time I picked, he's like about, 10 or 11 players down i'm like i could trade back like maybe like five six spots gain another maybe a second or third round pick or some late round picks whatever just get more draft picks and still get a lot of value at my pick and still get the offensive tackle i need for the future so i think moving back in the draft is something the chargers should entertain if the options are there so say there's this one off there's like say there's like two or three offensive tackles you really want and they all go before you go and the next guy you want's probably ranked a little bit far back. And you know that someone behind you wants maybe a wide receiver or something. You know they're not going to go for your tackle. Trade back, get them more draft picks, and basically steal the show. And the draft simulators that I've worked with, guys, I mean, it seems like a trade has been available every single time. And, and not just one, but multiple. So at least the simulators think that there is going to be plenty of suitors for that number 13 pick. Yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of those, and those have a lot more, you know, suggested trades than what usually ends up going down. Usually, it has to be a quarterback, for the most part, for like a for sure trade. Somebody moving up to try to get a quarterback, and there's a few teams that need quarterbacks or could potentially need quarterbacks after free agency that if a guy like Trey Lance is to fall to where the Chargers pick, could be trying to move up to get him. 
or something along those lines as well. But I think that there are a lot of good tackle, you know, options in this draft. I would say it's not as great as the last one was. I mean, when you're talking about Tristan Wurst, Makai Becton, those guys that we saw last year, that was like a legendary recruiting class. But this one has a lot of really solid guys and a lot of guys. I think that could absolutely help the Chargers. But we do have one more segment because we did get into our second round picks as well. So there's a couple of guys and a couple more holes we're trying to fill later on in the draft. So we're going to finish our mock draft Monday version 2.0 coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys about the best protein bar on the planet. And of course, I'm talking about Built Bar. Last week, I told you guys about the coconut brownie chunk. That was the new flavor that was sweeping the Lockdown Podcast Nation but there is a ton of flavors to choose from if that's not your thing. You could go to lemon almond cheesecake, you could go carrot cake, you could go German chocolate, salted caramel, orange toffee almond. There's so many flavors to choose from, 18 flavors. So you're always going to get that variety. And I've always told you guys, for me, it has to taste great or I'm just not going to eat it. And built bars are something that you can have that's a low calorie, low sugar, high protein treat that you can have while still feeling good about it because you know it's great for you as well. And right now, if you go to BuiltBar.com, you can use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word, for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, guys. Well, now it's time to get into the last part of our mock draft version 2.0. So I want to get into who you guys ended up with in the second round. I know we each had two drafts that we're kind of working off of. And then also after that, just get into where did the Chargers go from here now that you've got your top two selections, right? So... For the second round pick for the Chargers, who were the two guys you liked? Why did you pick them there? And then which one ultimately did you like better? Yeah, so, I mean, because I went offensive line in the first round, my next priority was to pick up a corner. I wanted to get somebody, uh, you know, or vice versa, because I got Caleb Farley in the first round in my other mock draft. So, if right, I wasn't so one, you get got off- corner, yeah, corner in the first round and one offensive lineman second round, offensive lineman first round, corner second round. It's very clear. What you're targeting early on. yeah, Exactly. That's exactly what the plan is. Uh, No matter what, these first two picks, I'm trying to come up with two guys that are going to come in and make an impact at positions of need for the Chargers right away. So in the event that I picked an offensive tackle in the first round, the second round, I went with Asante Samuel Jr., the five foot ten, hundred eighty three pound corner has good ball skills, good uh, good speed. Played back uh, quite a bit. He's not. He didn't really press a whole lot, although he did do that. He's a willing tackler. Sometimes he needs to take a little bit better angles to the football uh, in order to to make better tackles. But he definitely has a lot of, of traits and skills that you would like to see in a corner. And he has that NFL bloodline. If that name sounds familiar, his dad played in the NFL for a very long time and he had a big fan in Daniel Wade who was a guy that Daniel Wade really liked uh, to watch in the league if I didn't go offensive line then I was going to go corner so in the second round for corner was Asante Samuel if you flip it then for offensive line in the second round I'm going Liam Eichenberg out of Notre Dame six foot six 305 pound offensive lineman good strength uh, I'd say he's a much better pass protector than he is a run blocker he's not very athletic but when he gets his hands on you then you're gone you're not getting to the quarterback he struggles a little bit with with some speed rushers but um, as a pass protector I think he's definitely more complete than a run blocker he definitely has the size and skills you're looking for for an offensive tackle for a left tackle he has some ability that you think you can uh, definitely teach and coach up and translate to where he is a starter before long for you in the NFL for the next five or six years 
Yeah, I mean, if you're going to go corner, if you're going to even if you decided to go edge rusher in the first round, it would be a little bit of panic mode as far as, okay, well, where is the offensive line help going to go? So I definitely understand here why you end up going Eichenberg in the second round, just because it's like you have to add something. He's a guy that was, you know, thought of as maybe a late first round pick. Now he's sitting seemingly in the second round. And I think he has a lot of good skills. I think he's one of those guys that you're just not totally sold on him being an NFL starter. But, I mean, as far as just talent, as far as value, I definitely like the pick there in the second round, especially if you get a corner like that, one of those top two corners early on in the draft. So, John, where did you end up going with your second pick, and who did you like better? I went with Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama. At first, when I made the pick, I was like, okay, you know, this might be a decent second-round pick. And then further studies made me go, uh Maybe not so much. This is probably a guy that's going to let us down. Wasn't really good at playing against really fast head rushers. He'd probably have to be a guy that you move to the inside. But even then, that's a gamble. I mean, we used to have DJ Fluker, who was a tackle, and we moved him to guard, and it still didn't really work out well. So it's it's a gamble. If you are going to move, if you know for sure you can move him to guard, then maybe you take him at that pick. But upon a, a second opinion, I didn't really like the pick. So in the second one, went with Creed Humphrey, the center from Oklahoma. Ugh, God, I hate that name. He uh, <laughs> he was really good. He didn't really have many weaknesses. Um, he re- was really strong. That guy was bench pressing like 400 pounds and squatting like 600. The guy has a lot of strength, can really hold his own, can really power that middle, and we definitely need a center. So if you were to go with Cosme, and Humphrey, I feel like that'd be just a really good combo. You have your left tackle or right tackle because Cosme can play both. And then you have Humphrey as your center. Now you just got to figure out your guard situation. Does Trey Turner end up playing or not? And then with Brian Balaga, do you still use him? Do you make him reserve? What, what Do you move him over to right tackle, left tackle? What do you do? But in, in the end, you still have three offensive linemen for sure. And then Trey Turner becomes your question is because of injuries. I said I really liked Humphrey, too, just because it was just consistency. I mean, the model of consistency. He did everything right. He was just a guy you know you could plug and play and just forget about him. Yeah, for me, it was between Creed Humphrey and Landon Dickerson. And I really like Landon Dickerson, the center from Alabama. But the one thing that swayed me was the injury history for Dickerson and the lack of an injury history for Creed Humphrey, at least you know over the last three seasons pretty much playing in every game. So I think that was what did it for me. Also, the other thing with Creed Humphrey is he was also a very big wrestler as well. And you can definitely see that when you're watching him. I mean, his leverage, his angles, he's really, really good at all those things. He can move people out of the way. So in one of mine, I ended up getting Rayshon Slater and also getting Creed Humphrey. But I also went in a different direction on my second one as well and went into the defensive interior. And I know Corner is a bigger need. I know edge rusher is a big need for the Chargers, too. There was really no one in the second round that I felt was worth taking at that pick. But the two guys I was deciding on were Christian Barmore from Alabama and also Davion Nix from Iowa. I ended up going with Davion and Nix, John, because I just wanted someone that was a little bit twitchier. And that's what you're getting. This is another disruptor. We talked about that with Darius Stills, how you want to get somebody who's going to be in the backfield. That's something that... Brandon Staley really needs out of his defensive linemen is just guys that can win their one-on-one matchups, get penetration. So I thought with a Davion Nix, you're getting a super athletic guy that probably plays defensive end in a 3-4, probably is playing outside of the nose tackle, and then 
um, passing situations he would be coming from the interior, but just adding some more beef on the interior of the defensive line, just because to me that is such a big need. It is definitely a big need. I was personally going to go third round with my defensive tackle pick, but I mean, that's a lot of value you would get there at the second round as well. He's a really good disruptor and he played in the big 10. And a lot of those guys are a lot of beefy muscular guys. They're not exactly always the fastest guys, but they're usually the strongest guys. It's just usually a hit and miss mm-hmm. on whether they translate to the NFL or not, but the size is usually always there, and that mentality to be powerful is usually already there. So you get a head start right there. And after that, it's just le- making him learn your strategy and learning his technique. So that there's a lot of value right there. For me personally, I'd be willing to – I'd rather go offensive line the first two picks because you just have to find a way to protect Herbert, and then I'd go defensive tackle third round. Yeah, and then I think yeah, at some point you got to start looking at cornerbacks as well and hoping you can find some value there. That's the hard thing because with every pick, you're ignoring another need for the Chargers. So it's really where does that value show up in relation to what you need for your team? Because everyone everyone says you want to be best player available. But, at, you know, to a certain extent, if a quarterback's the best player available for the Chargers at 13, they're not taking a quarterback. So that can only really ever be so true. So I think in this case, my favorite mock draft is the one where I got two offensive linemen. But David, in yours, since you went corner and offensive line in both of the ones that you did, either way, you were filling both of those positions. What's the biggest need now that you're trying to fill in the third round? Yeah, so now that I attacked offensive line and corner in, in the first two rounds, the third round, I'm looking for a pass rusher. I'm looking for a guy who can come in and just get after the quarterback. I want a guy that's going to pin their ears back and and get some pass rush. The Chargers have struggled getting interceptions and getting and getting sacks. So they need a guy who can come in and impact that metric specifically. So after the first two rounds attacking first uh, attacking offensive line and corner, my next uh the next thing on my wish list is a pass rusher. Yeah, and I think Davion Nix brings some of that as well and I think no matter how you get the pass rush, I mean, I've been, you know, yelling and screaming for an interior pass rusher for a long time and Jerry Teller was supposed to be that and it hasn't panned out so far in his young career which is only two seasons in but at the same time I just think they need to add some juice at that position I think either of those guys would do that but for me Davion Nix is just a guy that you know just made a name for himself had to play some junior college ball and then came into Iowa played against a bunch of beefy offensive linemen John and was throwing some of those guys around at times and just really quick gets off the ball pretty quick in my from what I saw from him and just getting another disruptor because Brandon Staley and that Rams defensive line was full of disruptors. That's what frees up linebackers to make tackles, penetration, causing running backs to go certain directions. I mean, all of those things are so important. And I don't think the Chargers currently have enough at that position. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. We'll be getting into Mock Draft Monday 3.0 next Monday, but we'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Until then, make sure to go follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page LockedOnChargers. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast from, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We'd appreciate it if you guys would subscribe, rate, and review for us because you guys are what keep us going. And and if you guys want to get your voices on the show, you guys can call into the Lockdown Chargers voicemail line. The number is 323-524-7924. And we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. And we'll have some more of that going forward. Definitely doing a voicemail show at some point this week. But that's going to wrap it up for us today, guys. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.